Well, you guys, that's why we're here today, because we really do believe that God is present, that he is here, and that he is a way maker for us today, that he is a miracle worker. He's the only one who will always keep his promises, and he is the light in the darkness. And I just want to remind us of that. The only reason that we're gathered here on this beautiful day, is this not a beautiful day? The only reason we're gathered here on this beautiful day, the only reason those of you who are watching online is because God's here. Amen? He is actually present. So we don't want to just tell you about him today. We want you to actually experience him today. That's what the scripture tells us. The reason we gather together is that we can actually fellowship with God. We can actually receive from him today. That's why we worship him. We worshiped him right there just to remind our souls of who you are and just to, to remind ourselves of who God is and remind ourselves of who we are. And man, that God gave his life for us and he loves us. And then today we give our life back to him. Man, this is good. And now we're actually going to open up his word. And God tells us that his word is alive and it's active, that it can actually penetrate. It can go like a double-edged sword right into the very core of who we are. And in this moment, God's ready to share with us, to share with every one of you and myself, all of us corporately, what's actually really true. What are his thoughts and what are your thoughts so that we can get in line with God today, so that we can actually get in union with God today? Man, and that's why we are here. So we are starting a new series, and it's called COVID-19 Lessons Learned. Anybody learned some lessons these last six months? <laughs> Man. So we sat as a team and we thought through all the whole list of things we've learned. We came down with five main lessons that we're going to look at in these next five weeks. And here's, and here's what we know, though. When we take the experiences of these last six months, when we take the experiences of life, but we look at them through the eyes of God, see, that's what the Bible tells us, that God can actually give us his thoughts that we can actually look at this world, we can look at COVID, we can look at what's happening, but not from a human perspective. God actually wants to give us a divine perspective. It's the lens of truth as Jesus sees it. And then when we see it like that, now we have some lessons that we can learn. So today, the number one lesson that we're gonna look at that COVID has taught us is that the government can't fix this. Is that true? They, they, they can't fix it. So I just want to ask you, how are you doing today? How are you doing in light of COVID, with economic stress, with the fears of health, with constant change and uncertainty, with not as much freedom as we are used to? How are you doing? Are you, are you angry with the government? Are you supportive of them? Are you hopeful? Are you frustrated? Are you disillusioned? I, 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 how many of you, are, are you actually expecting 
the government to make all the right decisions that are going to appease your convictions and bring peace and prosperity to you. I just think if we've learned anything these last six months, it's a no. You know, maybe we should sing again. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, President Trump, that's what I need you to be. Come on, everybody. Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker, light in the darkness, Joe Biden, is that what you will be? Come on, Democratic Party, make the way. Come on, Republican Party, make the way. Do a miracle. Make me happy. Come on, y'all. What what do we want the government to fix? We want them to protect us from this virus, right? Figure this thing out and keep me healthy. And at the same time, keep my job. Keep me financially able to be able to take care of my family. I want life. I want liberty. And I want happiness. And, and can I just say that's impossible for the government to do that. Let just this thing right here, just this thing right here, the government can't fix this because half of you are saying, would you please make everybody wear their mask? And half of you are saying, please, I never want to wear this thing again. So how in the world is the government going to fix this? They're going to make half of you angry and half of you happy no matter what they do. Man, I, I tell you, I was meeting with a group of pastors every week on a phone call because uh, we were trying to figure out how to do church in the midst of COVID. And one time on the phone call, General Burton was on the call. General Burton has been the one who's in charge of the COVID response here in Utah. Man, I, I tell you, I was so impressed with that guy. And he gave us all the numbers. This was like back in June. And he gave us all the numbers and all the how many people are in the hospital bed and how many... I mean, he knew every little detail. And he goes, we're trying to figure out how we can keep people healthy. And then right in the middle of the conversation, he said, but can I just be honest with you? He goes, my greatest concern is for the mental health of people. He goes, we're concerned about the financial viability that people need to work. We're concerned about the anger, the the abuse that's happening in people's homes. And I just sat there and I thought, here's a man who's been given the responsibility to figure out how to keep people physically healthy and how to keep people emotionally healthy at the same time. And I just said, thank God I'm not in your position. Because here's what we know. The government is not going to fix this. If you want life, liberty, and happiness, right? That's what we hear. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Here's my question for you this morning. Where are you looking for life and liberty and happiness? The government is supposed to protect our ability to pursue those things but they are not the source of these things. That's what we need to know this morning. So what do you see right now when you look at the current situation in our government? And then what does Jesus see? 
If he's here today and he's present with us, which he says, I am, I am with you today. What does he see? And what would happen if we could actually put on the lens of his reality? Here's what I know we would see. There is a much bigger picture going on than COVID. When you are born of the spirit of God, he actually gives you spiritual eyesight to be able to see the bigger picture. So what we're gonna look at today is then what should our view be of the government and how should we live and interact with our government? Now, if you look at the life of Jesus, y'all, he lived during the reign of Tiberius in the Roman Empire. Now, you wanna talk about living under a government that was oppressive, especially to the Jews. That's why there were so many people rising up and trying to create riots to be free from the Roman Empire. That's why when Jesus said he was the Messiah, they were all like, oh, thank God, somebody who's gonna get us out from under the Roman Empire. I spent some time this week and just read what was happening during the reign of Tiberius during the life of Jesus. Wow. I mean, that guy got so paranoid of anybody who was different than him, anybody he sniffed out who he thought might be against him, who maybe was a friend of somebody who was against him, and he would just bring them in and torture them and kill them. This was the government that Jesus Christ was walking in the world in. So I think he might be able to help us to know how to handle our government. And Jesus came to save the world. But what you don't see in the life of Jesus was that he didn't think that the government was gonna save the world. He brought a new way. And here's what's interesting, is Jesus is the one who did save the world because he changed people's hearts with the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of an earthly king, but the kingdom, the reign, the rule, the authority of God, he said, is here now. And you can experience it and you can live in it. And this is what's interesting, you guys, is we can bring that way of God into any governmental structure and any culture that's, been, that's existed for the last 2,000 years. God has been able to bring his righteousness, his goodness, his peace into every type of government and every type of culture. And that's good news. Amen, is that good news? Now here's the deal. Every one of you in this field and all of you who are watching online who actually follow Jesus, you have everything it takes to be able to bring the goodness of God into this world. And that's what I want to talk to you about. So Paul actually writes in a few places about dealing with government. I'm going to read you two passages today, and then we're going to unpack those. The first one, and you can pull these up, you guys, in your sermon notes on your app. Again, if you want to watch follow the scripture. The first one is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Here's what he says. Now listen, now, okay, before I read this, don't just listen to this as something that was written 2,000 years ago. The word of God is living 
and active. It is God breathed to teach you and me to teach us. Sometimes he needs to rebuke us to say, hey, what you're doing isn't right, to correct us or to train us in righteousness so that the people of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's our mission here at K2, is to invite you into the adventure of following Jesus. And that if you are a follower of Jesus, to equip you. Man, I, I just, so as I read this, listen to this for yourself. Let the spirit of God speak to you. Here's what he says. I urge you, first of all, how's those for, for two? Anybody want to listen now? <laughs> I urge you, first of all, that all petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. This is good. And it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Now let me go to Titus chapter three. By the way, Timothy and Titus were Paul's disciples. They were the ones that he was sending out to plant churches. So Timothy, tell that to your people. Now, Titus, here's what I want you to tell your people. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Now, listen to this one. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, always be gentle toward everyone. You guys, there is a bigger picture going on. And those of us who have the spirit of God inside of us, he, and if, and if, and if you're, and if you're just seeking here today, I just want to encourage you. If you, if you haven't received Jesus Christ today, he so wants to open all of our eyes to the bigger picture that's going on. Because once you see it, you can live in any situation, in any government, in any culture, and you can be alive. You can. So, number one, you got to live in the bigger picture. And what is that bigger picture? He's like, now you got to pray for the government. Pray for these leaders. Why? Because this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You guys, the bigger picture to God is there is life beyond this world and there is life through the power of the spirit of God in every possible for every single person. We are supposed to, every person is supposed to be able to live in union with God so that we can handle anything that happens on this planet. And the bigger picture is God wants all people to be saved. In, Ch in Titus chapter two, when he's talking about, hey, I want you all to be subject to rulers and authorities, and we'll get to that in a minute. 
Why? See, if you look at the context of when Paul wrote that in chapter 2, make sure I don't lose all these guys. When you look at the context in chapter 2, the first thing that Paul does is he says, hey, Titus, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell the older women to train the younger women. And then he tells them all the, the, the way that they should live. And then he says, and you know why? So that no one will malign the word of God. Because I want you, I want all women to be living in such a way that no one will look at them and they can't malign the word of God. And then the next person he says, okay, now let's talk about the men. And then Titus says, he, he tells Titus, now train the young men and this is how they're supposed to live. Why? So that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So why, 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 are certain, why are women supposed to live in a certain way? So that no one come align the word of God. Men, why are you supposed to live a certain way? So that no, everybody who opposes us can't say anything bad about us because of the way you live. And then back in that culture, there actually was slavery still. And he tells slaves, this is how you should actually live in accordance with your masters. Why? So that in every way, they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. So the whole chapter two, he's like, the way you live, women, the way you live, men, the way you live, even slaves, makes a difference. Why? And then he says this in Titus chapter two, verse 11, because the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. There's something bigger going on. There's something bigger going on. People's lives are at stake. Not just right now in our culture, but forever. And how you live matters. And so that's when he says, now remind everybody to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be ready to do whatever is good, to be peaceable and considerate and slander no one. Why? Because God wants everybody to be saved and the way we live in accordance with our government is a testimony to the kingdom of God that we believe there's someone who is the king of kings, who's greater than every other ruler. And that's the one that we live for. You guys, this is what we live for, not the American dream. We don't live, we've been changed. We don't live for the American dream, man. We live for the kingdom of God. And by the way, let me just remind you, life, liberty, and happiness are absolutely found in the way of Christ. What did he say? This is eternal life, that you know the one true God, that you experience him, that you're in an intimate relationship. You want life? Then get your spirit in union with the giver of life. Do you want freedom? It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Hold to my teachings, he said, and you will be free. And here's the thing, you can actually be free in any situation. You can have life in any situation. Anybody who wants to be happy, I mean, I love being happy. You know what Jesus says? Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And all that word means is happy are you. And here's what he says. Blessed are you, rather, those who hear the word of God and obey it. Man, if you want life and liberty and happiness, 
then the way we find it is in God, not in a Republican party, not in a Democrat party, not in our government. There's a bigger thing going on. Listen to this. If you seek for life, liberty, and happiness in the government, you can lose it. And some of you have lost it. And so then what happens? You live frustrated, you live in fear, you live in anger. Because if that's where your hope is, you can lose it. But if you possess life and liberty and happiness in Christ, you can't lose it. It's yours. And then, and then you can bring it into this world. That's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, and now you're the light of the world. So if you possess eternal life, if you are absolutely free finally from sin and free from yourself, and you don't need other people to make you happy, oh man, now you can go into the world. And you can influence culture, and you can influence the government. We can make change in the world, but it's because we're living in the kingdom of God. And I just want to say, man, this was the focus of Jesus Christ. This was obviously the focus of Paul, and it needs to be our focus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, filled with his spirit, come on, y'all, live for the bigger picture. Live for the kingdom of God and live for eternal life. God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, how do we do that? We've got three things from these passages in the application of how to actually live in the bigger picture, okay? Here's the first one. Here's your application, okay? So now we're gonna get out of here and we're gonna stop complaining. We're gonna go make a difference in this world with our government. How? Number one, you gotta pray for the bigger picture. First of all, I urge you, Paul says, right? That all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving for me made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. I urge you first. So what's Paul, why, why would Paul urge you and me today to say the first thing you gotta do is get on your knees and pray for the government. Pray for the president, pray for the Senate, pray for the house, pray for the selection of this new justice, Pray for our governor. Pray for our Lord. Pray, pray. Why, why would he say that? Because the prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. And I'm just going to be totally honest with you. That still just amazes me. It, it, it's, it's, it's beyond me to think that when we pray, somehow God moves. So what he's saying is, listen. You're not going to change things. You're not going to fix things. God is. And so get on your knees 
and pray and get involved in the power and the influence of God moving in our government. That is how things are actually going to change. Pray for the leaders you suffer under, that you don't agree with, and that you don't approve of. That is the will of God for those of us who follow Jesus. Now, why? Why, why do we pray? There's two things that are, in this, that are in the scriptures here that tell us why we should pray. Number one, a country at peace allows the freedom to share the gospel. So you guys got to remember this again. Part of the reason I think that Jesus Christ came, because it says at the appointed time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Part of the beauty of Jesus coming when he did is that through the Roman Empire, they had built an, an infrastructure of roads that went all through the world. So the ability to take the message and share the gospel all around the world was, was there like it had never been there before. But here's what they knew. If you're praying for the government, remember what it said? So that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. Part of the beauty, what they were asking for is, let's pray that the government and us are at peace so that we are free to share the gospel anywhere and everywhere. Hey, y'all, where do you live? America. The United States of America. Can you share the gospel anywhere and everywhere? Yes. yes. Man, that's amazing. So pray that that continues to happen so that we can live peaceful and godly lives. But secondly, why do we need to pray for our government, for our leaders? Because when you're praying for somebody, your heart, it strengthens your heart to be able to live the gospel towards them. So this isn't true. Remember he said, I, 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 first of all, I urge you to pray for all people. And then he says, and kings in authority. Man, if you got somebody in your life right now who's your enemy, somebody who's against you, somebody who has hurt you, one of the best things you can do is actually pray for them. And what happens is it does something to your heart. It changes your heart. So here's what's interesting. Again, remember, now here's what's, Paul, so, so Jesus was living under Tiberius. Paul was living under Nero. You guys remember, you know that name? The emperor Nero was persecuting Christians. He was having them executed. The culture, the government that Paul was living under was horrific. And so he said, pray for them. And what he found is even if you're persecuted, you can live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. That is amazing. That is amazing. And I tell you what, that's what Jesus Christ did. First Peter says, he gave us an example to follow. He showed us how to do it because he was able to take absolute in injustice and then die for those who were committed, who were treating him that way. You guys, if we pray for those, and that's what, why Jesus said, he goes, listen, he goes, I know, I know it said, 
you know, love your friends and hate your enemies. But then what did Jesus say? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. You guys pray for the bigger picture. There's something greater going on. And if you pray for your leaders, then your heart can maintain the righteousness and the peace and the holiness and the godliness of God. That is a light in the midst of the darkness. Now, I just want to tell you, I'm going to totally confess to you, I I needed to study this this week because I do. I pray every morning. I go and I take a walk and I pray. And I have not been praying for our government. But that's a command from God right from Scripture. If you're going to live in the bigger picture, then you got to pray for the bigger picture. And let's pray for them. Here's the second one. You pray for the bigger picture and you obey in light of the bigger picture. What are we supposed to do? Titus 3.1.2 is pretty point blank clear. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities and to be obedient. Why? Why is that the way that a follower of Jesus is supposed to live? Remember why. Because the grace of God has appeared that brings salvation to all people. And part of the salvation that comes when we are saved, you guys, we are saved from sin. We are saved from devotion to ourself. And we become free. There is no more selfish ambition because there was zero self in Jesus. And now Jesus comes and he lives inside of us to set us free. You know, you know what? One of the hallmarks of Jesus' character was absolute humility and complete submission to his father. Even even the the wisdom that comes from heaven in James 3, if you want to know wisdom, how should I live, in other words, in this world? It says the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, and submissive. See, there is a gentleness. Remember, that's what the scripture said. Be gentle to everyone. Be peaceable over and over again. Be considerate. There's something inside someone who follows Jesus that can easily say, well, it's probably not easy, but it's the life of Christ that I can subject myself to the government. And the scripture says it over and over again. Romans 13, another place. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, I'm talking about COVID and all that we're supposed to be dealing with. Let me just say something, and I, I, you, can't, you can't open this can of worms without stating this. What should followers of Christ do if the government is being unjust? If there's injustice happening, then Christ followers need to stand up and declare what is right and fight against it. You are always, listen to me, You and I are always supposed to obey the government as long as what the government is asking us to do is not against the laws of God. So I'm just going to tell you, that's why when the government says, wear this, you wear this. Because this is not about being against, this isn't unjust. Now, 
You may not like to wear it, but that's the point. Jesus came to save us from our own, this is what I want, and I know it's uncomfortable. You just go, okay, I gave up my rights, man. I love and I subject myself. We're hoping to be back in that building once the weather gets crappy, (laughs) right? So, by the way, next Sunday, it says sunny and 80 degrees. So we'll still be here next Sunday outside. But eventually, we're going to go in the building. But what are we going to follow? We're going to follow the governor and his mandates for what is appropriate. Because that's what we do. We subject ourselves to the government. But if there is injustice, then we stand. And we fight for the rights of all people. That's what a follower of Christ does. But you do it. The beautiful example, right, was Martin Luther King, who followed the ways of Jesus, who stood for truth, but he did it with grace. So you don't do it violently. You do it peacefully. But you stand for what's right. Men, this is so important, you guys, that we obey in light of the bigger picture. So pray for the bigger picture and obey in light of the bigger picture. And here's the last one. Sway toward the bigger picture. So pray, obey, and sway. I'm sorry they rhyme, you know, because I know people are like, how cheesy. But pray and obey were so easy. And then, But really, this is the truth. Listen to the scripture again. Remind the people, so I'm reminding you. Be ready to do whatever's good. Slander no one. Be peaceable and considerate and always be gentle toward everyone. Now, why is that in there? Because God wants all men to be saved. And you know what happens? When you're doing good things and you're lifting people up instead of slandering them, when you're talking with integrity, when you're giving yourself away, when you're living at peace, you know what happens? People actually get attracted to that. They get attracted to the way of God. Lost people thought Jesus was amazing. The religious people couldn't stand him. But people who were far away from God would look at that life. You and I are supposed to be living lives that sway people toward the bigger picture. Because what do you live for? What do you live for, you guys? Man, if we, if Jesus said, you follow me, you follow me, and I'm making you a fisher of men. I'm making you somebody who's drawing people to me so that I can save them because I want to give everybody life. So what will draw people to Jesus, to the kingdom, to salvation? Hey, I, I, you know, I don't know how you're doing on your social media, but if you are slandering anybody as a follower of Jesus Christ on your social media, I just got to tell you right now, the word of God cannot be more clear. Stop it. Stop it. It is not the way of Christ. You will never draw anyone to the grace and the kindness and the goodness and the love of Jesus Christ through slandering somebody else. I, I, I don't even, it, and, and you know what's so cool about this? This isn't my opinion. Slander no one. There you go. Instead, may your speech be seasoned with salt to draw people to Christ. Be peaceable, be considerate, be gentle toward everyone. Hey, and here's the other thing, and be ready to do good. Be ready to do good. Hey, 
So we have our food drive coming up, right, this weekend? That's a really good thing. And I tell you, man, I've sat out here at both of our food drives and people are walking by and each time there've been people in tears because they have been found themselves in a horrific situation and that we get to load their car with food and to take care of their family and their children. Be ready to do whatever's good. So can I encourage you again, man, get on your app, get on the website, email k2fooddrive at k2thechurch.com, sign up, and let's do whatever's good, right? Let's do it. Let's have a great weekend. All right, Van, you guys can come up. So my message was done. Susie and I are being very committed to actually do the Sabbath on Saturday. So I, I really am not working on Saturdays, trying to honor God's rhythm to take a break. So I'm reading this book yesterday morning, and it's Tim Keller. It's called The King's Cross. Listen to, I'm going to close with this. Here's what Tim Keller tells us. Listen. For you, God says, the route to gaining influence is not taking power. Influence gained through power and control doesn't really change society because it doesn't change hearts. I'm calling you, listen, I'm calling you to a totally different approach. Be so sacrificially loving that the people around you who don't believe what you believe will soon be unable to imagine this place without you. Can you guys, that is beautiful. Be so sacrificially loving that the people who don't believe what you believe won't, couldn't imagine this life without you. They'll trust you because they see that you're not only out for yourself, but out for them too. When they voluntarily begin to look up to you because of the attractiveness of your service and love, you'll have real influence. It will be an influence given to you by others, not taken by you from others. And who's our model for this? It's Jesus himself, of course. How did he respond to his enemies? He didn't call down legions of angels to fight them. He died for their sins. And as he was dying, he prayed for them. And if at the very heart of your worldview is a man dying for his enemies, then the way you're gonna win influence in society is through service rather than power and control. Hey, y'all, the government ain't going to fix this. But, but the king of kings, the king of kings can fix this. So live for the bigger picture. Pray for the bigger picture. Obey in light of the bigger picture and sway others towards the bigger picture. You guys, this is the time for the church to shine with the love of Christ. So as we go into this battle, the first thing you do is what? Pray. Because he is the one who's going to fight this thing, and he's the one who's going to bring his goodness, and he's the one who's going to win this thing. So I know, at least I checked on my app, 
and I, the words weren't on there. I'm so sorry about that. You can check again. Maybe something changed since we started the service. If so, this is a new song, but it is the perfect song to send us out today, okay? So stand, stand with me. Let's, let's worship God right now. Let's give him our praise. Let's look to him. Let's get our hearts in union with the kingdom of God, with the way of God, with the way of Jesus, which is to lay our life down. And let's watch God do great things. Let's do it.